from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. We are so excited to have you here. And it's Carrie Denise. I'm back, excited to be <laughs> back again with my good friend Mike Walsh. Hey Carrie, I know it's been uh, it's been a like month four at least. whole podcasts, That's, I think. Well, I th- I think you deserved a break. I think you did like six out of seven at one point. So I this think is you, right. you earned a respite from uh, Thank you. from talking for an hour. Yeah, I was I, I missed you though. It's it's oh, it's good it's to like good be, to be back. Saying. We're here in my home space where we usually are when we record in Williamstown and it feels yeah it feels nice to be back with the microphone in front of me and talking into it and talking to you yeah and our guests that are going to be coming I'm, out I'm here. actually happy because this is um, you know we have three rotating co-hosts and, and myself and each of you have a different perspective and that was kind of why I went with this rotation you know mm-hmm. uh, Mary's very much into the social justice right. and Marianella's into uh, we have working with Catholic schools, and then yourself. I really have sort of focus on the spirituality and evangelization from your time as uh, for your work as a youth minister. That's why it's so lovely that we're having this podcast mm-hmm. today in particular, because uh, as I've mentioned many times before, these are these are guests who have been on several times. Probably, if I'm, I'd have to go back and look, but they may be the the largest or the most number of episodes of anybody that we've ever wow. had on it before. But the reason I love having them on is they are the people that a constantly refresh my spirituality because of their own the, the manner in which they live their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they're so nice. Yes, <laughs> just, just pleasant the joy to talk to. to. I know yeah, you can. The, the sweetest. And now we're talking to them is is good in my book. It's yeah, really and, wonderful. And I'm happy because I think this is the first time you've been one of my co-hosts for this, for, right? Yeah, with, with our guests. Yep. So let's see if because they've been great episodes. So well, who do you think we have? <laughs> well, no, Everyone's no. What listening. I was going to no, I was going to lead into one more thing. First, okay. All four episodes. And I think this is the fifth time we've had them on all four episodes wow. we have them have had them on have been stellar so if today is in the tank it's your fault Blame <laughs> it on me. okay that will not happen it's never all right before. so without further ado i guess we should say yeah who who's are. with us carrie we have the franciscan sisters the cfr sisters from atlantic city st michael's convent and we'll let them each introduce themselves but we have two of the four from there yeah right. hello this is sister ann cattery hello this is sister kiara rose and then we also have one of the postulants with them, so she'll introduce herself as well. Hi, this is Kate. All right, Hi, Kate. great. Good to see you. So. You, can, you can say your last name if you like, or just Kate. Or just Kate. Just Kate it is. Fine, that's okay. The uh, so yes, yeah, so uh, the CFR sisters. The um, now sisters, I would like to apologize because you've become so ubiquitous as the CFRs. That I routinely cannot remember the proper way to say your community's full name. Franciscan I, Sisters of the Renewal. Thank you very much. I yeah. was like, when you said, "Who do we have?" and introduced, I was like, "Oh no, I'm going to get this wrong." I like, butcher it every time. I, I just go with CFRs. <laughs> well, it's helpful. It's helpful to us that you're connecting us with the with the acronym CFR because. Because people, when they first meet us, they they don't know mm-hmm. they they don't have the association CFR right. with us, and um, so yeah, it's helpful in some ways that yeah. that people know both that that were the, the CFRs, the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal. Um, CFR stands for Community of Franciscans of the Renewal. Okay. Um, that that C always throws people off. Where does mm-hmm. that come from? Mm-hmm. Um, but when the community was being started by the friars, the Franciscan friars of the Renewal, back in um, 1987, they they chose to have that word community okay. before Franciscans of the Renewal. So oh, that that's helps where, a the, lot. where the CFR is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. 
So, Sister Ann Cattery, we've uh, had you on several times in the past, and we've kind of talked about the history of uh, the community a few times, but our audience has grown a lot in the last couple of years, so I kind of wanted to do a refresher on your very unique community and where you're from. So when did when were the sisters formed? Yeah, so a year after the friars, again, the friars started in the Bronx um, in 1987, eight Capuchin friars, so Capuchins, of course, are another branch of the Franciscan family, uh, felt called to um, to form a renewal of, of the Capuchins. Again, they had to, to break away from the Capuchins. They called it the community of the Franciscans of the Renewal. And a year le- later, a group of lay women uh, felt called uh, to to live that life also. Father Andrew Apostoli was one of the those original friars, and he kind of became the founder of the sisters community. He also had a vision that there would be women living the same charism as the friars. Um, and so this group of lay women had been meeting with him in discernment. And so a year later in 1988, they received permission from Cardinal O'Connor in New York to, um, to begin a, a Franciscan Sisters Renewal Community. It was very slow starting. You know, they were, unlike the, the friars who were already finally professed friars, they had already had all their religious formation and training and were ready to start um, with ministry and accepting vocations. They were a group of lay women who needed to be formed um, mm. and first how to be religious sisters. And um, of that original group, um, Sister, who we, we now call Mother Lucille, Lucille Catrone, um, was part of that original group and has remained the whole time. Wow. So we really point to her as, a, as our founding sister. She was our, um, our mother superior for the first um, 30 years mm-hmm. of our community's existence. So we're, we're most grateful to her. She's she an just amazing celebrated, woman. yeah, August 22nd was her 25th anniversary wow. of the final vows. So. Did you guys have a like a celebration for no, that? No, she, um, she was with the sisters up in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and so we all, in, in our own ways, reached out to her and and congratulated her and and kept her very much in our prayers so Uh, she's yeah i've had the blessing of meeting her probably about three different times now Mm -hmm. and always a such a huge smile on her face huge joy and she I hope I hope this is in no way disrespectful, but she felt like my grandmother. Like yeah. I just, and actually my grandmother's name was Lucy. So like oh, I just felt this like grandmotherly love connection when I first met her, and that will forever remain with me. Just in in that meeting the first time, and then several times after that, she is a oh just an incredible woman. And yeah. to hear I didn't realize that she was from day one. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're we're extremely grateful to her and. Um, has really guided guided the community through through lots of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the friars have have grown um, uh, much faster in a lot of ways. Um, there's probably 120 friars. We're we're still uh, around the 35 uh, person sister mark. Um, slow and steady. I, I joined the community back in 2005, so now 15 years ago. There were only 12 sisters in the community mm-hmm. at that time, so there were now at 35. So it's just been a, a slow and, and, and steady um, steady growth um, since then. Wow. And where so. are all these, where are the sisters located? Because it's not just, of course, in Atlantic City where we know you from. Right. It's from all, actually different countries as well. Can you explain the different households? Yeah. Sister Carrie, you want to? So we have our um, novitiate, which is um, where Mother Lucille lives, and that's in the Bronx. So that's Convent of San Damiano. And then we also have another convent in Harlem, which is um, Our Lady Queen of the Angels convent. And we have another one in 
actually right near Our Lady Queen of Angels, there's another one um, called Blessed Solanus Casey Convent in Harlem, in East Harlem. And we also have um, houses in the mission. So we have um, one convent in England, and then one convent in Ireland, and then one convent here in Atlantic City. <laughs> Which is St. Michael's. St. Michael's. Yes. Saint Michael's. And that, that is a relatively new newer convent, probably the newest one. Is yes. it the newest one out of your the five that you mentioned? Was it five? Yes. And that you guys established it from our bishop, Bishop Dennis Sullivan, invited yes. you because he knew you from the Bronx. Is that mm-hmm. correct? That's right. Yes. And he invited, uh, I guess, Mother Lucille to open, mm-hmm. to, uh, gasped her permission. How, how does that work? I guess yeah, you can explain yeah. it probably better than me guessing how right. it works. Sure. So, so of course, <laughs> okay, we're I'm like asking them, they're nodding their head. Like, okay, I'm right. Good, good <laughs> friends with, with Bishop from, from New York, who's very instrumental in getting us and helping us to get Our Lady Queen of Angels convent in East Harlem. And um, so when he became Bishop, here he was kept saying sisters I'd love to have you down here he knows our, our main charism is to live among and serve the poor and he kept saying there's a lot of need here in the Camden Diocese um, but in 2015 when when the three when the three parishes in Atlantic City had merged there were um, extra buildings that needed to um, a decision needed to be made about how they would be used, and so that was really, I think, an impetus for Bishop Sullivan to say to Mother of the Seal, "Please come and come and look. Just come and see." <laughs> um, and and as soon as they came, it was Mother Lucille, our, our current community superior, Mother Claire, Sister Agnes, who of course lives with us, um, and um, Sister Francis. The four of them make up our council, the council. Um, they came and they saw, and I think particularly seeing the, the homeless on the boardwalk really um, tugged at their hearts and, and saw a, a, a lot of potential for, for serving very beautifully. Um, and the people of Atlantic City really won their hearts and the bishop was very um, generous in offering us not just St. Michael's, what had been St. Michael's Rectory to be our convent, but then um, the old convent at St. Nicholas um, of Tolentine Church, which to be our ministry building. And that was just a great potential for us to have two spaces, um, one for us to live and, and just then to be able to do the apostolic work at the Father Benedict House, with the old convent that we now call the Father Benedict House, which um, was just so primely located in, in one of the toughest sections of, of Atlantic City. A lot of uh, prostitution and, and drug um, use there and, and poverty. And so to be right there um, was a great a great gift. It really uh, is exactly what we hope to do. And um, yeah, it just was the sisters recognize it as great mm-hmm. potential for us. Now, I'm curious, Mike, this is a Mike line, I'm curious, <laughs> but I am, and maybe you can't say, and if you can, I understand, how did it come that the four sisters that went to that convent, how does that get chosen, or yeah. do, you, do you volunteer, or is it just through prayer, how how does that work that those, the four of you that were originally chosen to go to come to Atlantic City? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so again, being a smaller community, um, Mother Lucille, again, who's the community superior um, at the time, really took it to prayer, and she did ask those of us um, in vows if any of us felt called. She wanted to know who would be interested in going. Um, I remember my response was uh, that I'm, I'm open. I'm open to whatever God wanted. I didn't uh, feel a, a particularly strong one way or the other. Um, I very much, I was in East Harlem then, very much loved what I was doing there too, but felt knew that the Lord wanted me to be open to, that, to it. Um, so they took it to prayer, and it was really a consideration of they, they really have to look at all five convents and the particular needs and the particular sisters and their strengths 
and and who would be uh, a good team together. Um, Sister Agnes, of course, was um, our first superior here in Atlantic City for the first two years, and so that was, I think, and and I, I can't, I wasn't part of the decision making, so um, I can't and I won't try to speak to that. But, <laughs> yeah, sure. but um, but I know then it was Sister Agnes, and and then who to support her and the other gifts, and of course Sister. Um, Sister Kiara, of course, has great gifts, um, musically talented, and we knew music would be a big part of our ministry here, so that's that was a big consideration to make sure we had a strong musician among us. And mm-hmm. th- a particular gift to us down here was um, that the four of us were in final, all had professed final vows already. Um, and that just gave, gave the foundation here, I think, a particular strength and firmness. Um, we're all four solidly uh, formed and committed um, sisters who, um, work well together, communicate well together, and could handle, we knew that there, that there would be challenges um, in, this, in this new mission. Um, we knew Atlantic City in some ways would be a rough, a rough place, and, and I, I, I found that to be true in, in, in some ways. The poverty of Atlantic City is, is strikingly worse than what I had encountered in New York. Um, wow. And so to have four sisters who are just strong and grounded and worked well together, I think was, the, the council, Mother Lucille and the council recognized would be an important need um, for for these beginnings here. You know, this probably is a good idea, a good moment to talk about the community a little bit and what differentiates itself from others. You you have a very unique set of charisms that I find the, the level of spirituality is let's just say off the charts. But then, <laughs> but it's almost oh, almost to the point of. of resembling uh, a cloistered community. But at the same time, your your dedication to service is perhaps what you've become most known for in, in the city. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what what is it about that community that, that, why was it set up that way, I guess is the best way to ask. Yeah, I think um, following the lead of the friars who really desired to go back to the original Capuchin charism, we really looked to um, the, the Capuchins who were a renewal themselves in the 1500s of the Franciscan order. Um, and there was a, a clear desire to be um, contemplative and active. So we see ourselves as having both um, dimensions. We're not just a contemplative cloistered community, but we're not just solely active too. So very strong emphasis on, on our prayer life um, and that being the foundation of all that we do, that our service um, has to flow from there. We always talk about community having, uh, th- that our life has three three pillars, one that flows from the next. First, first and foremost, our prayer life, our relationship with the Lord. Um, and then from there flows our community life um, as sisters. And then from that, our apostolate. So. So the, the priorities for us. Um, so that strong, contemplative, active um, balance, um, and then and then our active charism. What what people see us and know us for is that uh, living among the materially poor and doing hands-on work with the materially poor, and evangelization. So you can't can't really box us in. <laughs> really <laughs> to can't just, to, to just one thing. Um, the the original Capuchins did both. They they lived among the poor. Um, and they and they preached missions and um, and retreats and um, were yeah were zealous preachers as well. So we we try in our in our own way to keep up those those two two sides of our active life: the the hands-on work with the poor and the 
um, preaching ministry as well. Now, oh, so beautiful. It really is, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. why I love just having hearing, them on. I know, I know, just hearing them explain it. Yeah. The, um, you know, something that um, has always interested me, and, and I think we talked about this once before on a previous podcast, but I wanted to revisit it again. Um, Sister Kiara, what is, can you describe for me a day in the life of, in your community? You know, sure. you wake up at what time, mm-hmm. you do what next, you... Yes. Move on to what? Yes, that's a great question because I love our life. So I love to talk about it. Um, so a day, a typical day in our life would be waking up um, sometime before six o'clock. So we all start our day in at six o'clock in the chapel to begin our um, what's called office of reading. So all of our five hours of prayer are marked by um, the prayer of the church. So we pray the um, morning prayer, evening prayer. Um, night prayer, midday prayer, and those all, um, the whole church is praying those prayers. All priests, the Holy Father, six hours ahead of us or so, he has prayed those prayers, the same prayers that we pray, which is so beautiful. So um, we start our day at six with Office of Readings, um, which is psalms and composed of a reading from like the church fathers and, and um, um, uh, uh, saints writings. And um then we have a, an hour of personal prayer, which is really beautiful. It's a time of meditation, just you and the Lord, and, and you can pray that in the chapel or go to your room and pray. And then we get back together for morning prayer, and we we pray that together in our chapel. And after that, we have, um, usually it's followed by Mass. Um, so here in Atlantic City, um, we usually go to our parish for Mass. In New York City, where our convents are near the friars, will the friars will come to our convent and say mass for us. Um, every so often, our friars will come down for our apostolates and they'll, mm. they'll celebrate uh, mass for us, which is which is, which is a real blessing. Um, and then after mass, we have breakfast together as a family. And after that, um, until about 12 o'clock, we have our apostolates that we're doing. So every day is different. That's one thing I learned when I came to the convent. No one day is the same except our prayer life, which is great because every day is different. And I, I'm not sure, sister, we know what the word boring is anymore. <laughs> we don't have a clue what that means anymore. And it's so beautiful just to be a part of the the church and that way of serving the poor. Um, you know, or we're doing retreat, we're running retreats, or we're with the youth. Um, so it's a variety of things that we'll do. And then we get together wherever we are. Um, even after the Father Benedict House on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll pray in our chapel there at the Father Benedict House, midday prayer, sometimes with our volunteers. We can't wait for that to come again when the pandemic is over (laughs) because um, we obviously can't gather in such a small space. Um, But then in the afternoon again, we'll we'll do our work of evangelization, our work with the poor. Again, takes many different forms. And we gather for a beautiful Eucharistic Holy Hour at five o'clock with Vespers, which is evening prayer. And so the first 20 minutes is really praying evening prayer together. And then the rest is silence before our... Eucharistic Lord so it's it's so beautiful um, and then we gather as a family and have dinner together all of our meals are talking which is beautiful part of our community it's um, some communities more monastic communities will have um, meals in silence while listening to spiritual reading or tape which is beautiful um, in our community we we talk which is great <laughs> <So> we <laughs> tell each other about our day and how's it mm, going so, so nice. it's great to spend that time together and then 
Uh, we have dinner, and after dinner, it's about an hour or so where we can just wrap things up from the day and just have that personal time to, to do anything we need to do before we pray the rosary together um, at around 8.40 and followed by night prayer. And then we have what's called um, respectful silence um, in the comment, which is beautiful because we're, we're, we're preparing for the next day to receive our Lord in, in Holy Communion at Mass. And... Um, so that that that's a frame. That's kind of like a a usual, typical day in our life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're traveling, so you know we we can't gather. May, maybe we can't gather in a chapel to pray, but we're always we're always praying. We're always together, and and wherever we are, if it's two by two traveling, we'll find a space um, where we can pray together. Because without prayer, we we can't do anything without God. We can't, you cannot do anything. So in case I can go on a whole tangent about that. <laughs> because, um, so we'll, we'll gather for prayer, but um, well, yeah, that's a typical day. Doesn't yeah. that give you a, just a wee bit of jealousy, uh, Carrie? <laughs> I, I will admit, that gives you a wee bit of jealousy. You know what? When they said they were allowed to talk in dinner, I said, okay. I, you can that make makes, it. That makes me feel better because when I, I, I've had, you know, I've heard of other orders that you know, live definitely very different. Each one is very different and beautiful in its own way. But some of them I'm like, yeah, thank God God did not call me to that. And of course we know I was called to marriage, but hearing, yes, hearing that you're like, wow, that sounds so peaceful and nice. And, this, and I'm sure there's stresses along the way. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not, you're human, but it just sounds so lovely. Exactly. It really does. And there's such nice facilities. I have to say that that um, I've been able to spend a great deal of time in, in both of them over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. both uh, at St. Michael's and at uh, St. Nicholas of Tolentine at Benedict House. And um, Father Benedict House. And it's it's so well set up as mm-hmm. for, for your use. I mean, I know it sounds like, well, there's only four sisters there, but um, and that's an awful lot of space, but you do so much work. Uh, particularly at Father Benedict House. So what is Father Benedict House really intended to do? Yeah, we, we kind of envision it as a safe and welcoming drop-in center of sorts where the, the poor, anyone could come in and um, be with us. It, it's had been Tuesday and Thursday mornings um, where we would also serve a, a simple breakfast meal, um, donut, bagels, um, coffee, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we were getting before the pandemic good number, 80 to 100 people coming on a Tuesday or Thursday morning, coming in that first floor. We have a, a rec room um, where many people would wait to get into the dining room. The dining room only sat 18 people at a time, but as soon as somebody was up, we'd, we'd f- refill the seat and in that hour and a half span again, get 80 to 100 people in. Um, we also have a chapel there with our Eucharistic Lord, and we had a beautiful way of inviting people in to just simply light a tea light um, in front of the altar, in front of the tabernacle. And many people may not realize that our Lord Jesus is there, but they felt the peace of being in there, and it was a very non-threatening gesture for them to, for us to invite them to come in and light a candle. And uh, so we saw a number of people grow in in prayer and relationship with God, and really saw a lot of people open up and find. Um, break down crying and um, just be moved by, by our Lord's presence and by the peace that they experienced there. Um, so more more than just feeding people, it was a place of encounter, a place of uh, a ministry of presence to, to be a safe, welcoming place where people could come. We, we knew many of them by name. Um, they, they, they come almost more for the community the, um, to, to be known, to be talked about. There, 
Atlantic City has so many um, social services available um, to people, but if somebody doesn't feel that anybody cares about their life, that their life has any meaning or dignity, um, that they don't know that God loves them, then why why go through the effort to make a change, to make better choices, to get the help that they need? So we really saw ourselves as, as being there uh, to let people know that we love them, that God loves them, and, and when they're ready, um, to be ready to accompany them on that next step. Um, so asking people how they're doing when they come in, um, checking in with them, sometimes gently asking, you know, are you ready for something else? Are you, are you, are you, are you, do you want more help? Are you, are you, um, this life is going to kill you? You know, if they're really opening up to us, Mm -hmm. um, point out to them, you know, you can't live like this forever. Um, are you ready for the next step? And if so, getting on the phone with the social worker, we're definitely not social workers. We know that, (laughs) um, but we can connect them to the social worker and help be that bridge and accompany them to that next step. Yeah, that's so nice. And when you when you first came to Atlantic City, was there a lot of um, learning the different systems that yes. are there? Was that like, a, I guess, a big learning curve it, in the it was, beginning? It was to, a big learning curve, yeah, to find out what other resources are there and, and how to you know, for lack of a better, work the system, who, mm-hmm. who to call, how to, how to really get help, get it connected, get, get it connect, them connected, get yeah. a connection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're really grateful for some of the social workers who are, who are based there, who we have their cell phone numbers now. Oh, that's great. We call them directly and, um, and work with them and God bless. And they, they often, you know, have very full caseload that they're, that they're dealing with. So we're realizing, you know, we need to be ready to, to really drop, what we're doing and to really accompany this person, to drive them to the rehab, follow up, you know, re- um, detoxes a few days first and then out from detox, um, where, where are they gonna do rehab and um, help them make that transition too. So yeah, it's taken a lot of learning. Yeah. <laughs> These were things we hadn't, we hadn't learned in, in New York, particularly the, the heroin, um, the, the plague of heroin and, and helping people, um, trying to help people get help from that, so. Isn't, Carrie, isn't it peculiar to, to hear the sisters talking about how Atlantic City was so much more in need of their services than even the city of New York was because the, the, the personality of the, of the area was so different? Yeah, like I, I, was, I was a little, sh- I, I will admit, I was a little shocked. I would put Harlem and Bronx at a way worse spot. And I grew up in North Jersey and worked in New York City for a while, so I'm very, very close to there. Like, it's not like it was foreign to me and you just hear New York is bad, but... Yeah, I yeah, never there's realized a, there's 20, a real, 30 minutes down the road. There's yeah. a real hopelessness, I find, in yeah. Atlantic City, you know? Um, just, in a, I think, honestly, an economy based on, on casino yeah. um, life and and um, just everything that goes with it and, and the, amount of, the amount of drugs, um, the amount of prostitution. Yeah, it's um, interesting in, in, a, in like a spiritual-based realm. Uh, when I, I, I when I first turned 21, it's like go to Atlantic City, is that? And at a certain point, I, you just felt the emptiness mm-hmm. of it. And for those that go, I apologize if maybe you might not like hearing this, but for me personally, I I said I just can't go here anymore, even if it's fun for me or enjoyable or whatever. And I haven't been in over like I guess 10, 12 years now at this point because because of that, because of feeling that emptiness. The only other times I've been back is to serve at the Father Bending Towns, which is a, is a joy. It's a joy to serve others. And, of course, the work that you do is so important, so needed. But when you actually see the faith in action and people coming in and lighting a candle in front of our Lord, and I've witnessed the, the tears or just the joy of people coming out of the chapel, that alone just speaks so much more volumes of how our faith can move us versus living in 
you know, the society of spending money and you know, all the craziness that goes along with gambling and whatnot. Not, not to say, you know, of course it's legal, but there's a lot of sin attached to it. And that's where you feel it in, in, the, in your spirituality. Have you felt that, Mike, nope. when you go to Lenning City? <laughs> nope. Hey, I enjoy gambling there all the time. The uh, restaurants yeah. are fantastic. Uh, I have great relationships with the p politicians and the, uh, the, the, the hotel right. industry there who have helped us to do a number of projects. And, and Thanks for so. bringing me on this podcast. <laughs> no, well, but you're absolutely right. It I mean, is. the truth of the matter is, is and I, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, there's that, that people don't often think of, that sort of desperation existing in South mm -hmm. Jersey, or or they only think of it happening in a place like Camden. The truth of the matter is, is it can probably be found in all of our communities. And actually, I know for a fact it can be found in all our communities. But Atlantic City was definitely one of those areas where there was an unmet need for all those social services that are that do exist down there. And there was a there was a spiritual or is a spiritual hunger down there that it's so great that the that the sisters are able to to feed. Um, now. There are a couple elements to the community that I think have benefited from Atlantic City, and I'm curious about this. Was one of the things, that location, was there a benefit to it in terms of vocations as well, as uh, that it was going to give you an opportunity to, to utilize those facilities for people who might be discerning their interests? Well, yeah, no, that's a great question, Mike. Um, <laughs> um, good a good lead into that point that, that Sister Agnes um, has now serves as our community vocation directress. And um, it, it's true, we have the the space to host come and see visits. Uh, a big, it's not easy for men and women in this day and age to discern a religious vocation. Um, and a big part of discernment is going, is coming to come and see as our Lord invites in the gospels. And, and so to host, be able to host come and see weekends. So we have the space in Atlantic City. We, we had been hosting them in New York, but we could, um, but Atlantic City with the Father Benedict's house, you know, it was an uh, old convent and we really use the first floor for ministry, but we have a, couple, a number of bedrooms up on the second and third floor where we can have young women do their come and see um, experiences with us. We, at the very least, uh, it's, it's the first introduction to our community. Women who um, find out about us, are interested in us, contact Sister Agnes. If it seems like the next step is for them to come and visit, they'll do their first come and seat at Atlantic City to get to know us, they experience our prayer life, our ministry, get a sense of our community life from being with us. And, and then if they continue to be interested, we continue to think that there's a potential vocation to us there. Um, they'd be invited back for a second visit up to New York. Yeah. Um, and that's also very important. That That's the heart of our community. Our, our mother, Lucille, mother Claire, um, are there. Um, so spending that time in New York is, is very important as well. But the first the first step is, is to Atlantic City, <laughs> which God bless these young women who are telling their parents <laughs> that they're going to go on a discernment weekend <laughs> in Atlantic, Atlantic, Atlantic City. City. <laughs> that is funny. We had one young woman who... Um, who, because sister in making the, the arrangements, um, plane arrangements told her to fly in and out in Philly. The, the woman thought the convent was in Philly. Um, and, and sister <laughs> Joseph picked her up and said, we were gonna meanwhile get some supplies and bring it to the Father Benedict house. So she really just thought we were driving an hour to this place called the Father Benedict house and then 
coming back to Philly. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> this we, is where we're yeah, going. You're going to be spending the weekend in Atlantic City. <laughs> See the flashing City. lights of all the casinos. Yeah. This is where we are. This yeah. is where we are. It's the last place I ever thought we'd be. Li- I'd live as a religious sister, Atlantic City. But God has a sense of humor. He does. Actually, How- photographically, I love it because every time I am down there take, taking a picture of the comments or the sisters in action, I do my best to get the the casinos in the background because it's there's, you like it's, contrast. The contrast. I do. I love contrast. I, I, there's a picture that never appeared in print i don't think but it's um it's actually sister ann cattery it's vertical we weren't able to use it in any of our stuff and but it's sister ann cattery evangelizing on a street corner and in the distance is a gentleman's club um sign and to tell you the truth it's one of my favorite photographs i don't think i ever put it i know i sent it along to you guys i don't think i ever put it in print yeah but there's there's a beauty to it that i absolutely i I absolutely love this just it's amazing actually we should probably talk about that a little bit too uh, down the road but um so don't forget to ask about evangelization later um Mm. but just going back to to vocations and and discernment um one other element of your community has been, and I think it's just to your convent, is the St. Michael's Missionaries? Yes, right, exactly. So um, the, the, the direct lead into the vocations and, and the space that we have down there is that we've been able to start um, a eight-month live-in service program for young women to come and um, live there at the Father Benedict House and serve alongside of us. Um, with the idea that it's a great opportunity to continue to discern their vocation. So the St. Michael Missionary Program is now, we're just starting our third year. Um, so we, we're starting our fourth year in Atlantic City, the third year of the missionary program. Um, just next week, we'll have uh, four young women from around the country come and uh, move to Atlantic City to be with us for eight months. Uh, it's been a, a beautiful opportunity. We've wanted to have something like this. Our friars have a similar missionary program for young men up in the South Bronx where the young men come and live on the top floor of the homeless shelter that the friars run. And we've seen the benefit um, to give young men an opportunity. It's not entering religious life just yet, um, It allows, but it allows you to, to pull back the simplicity. Um, this, we kind of call it like a detox from the world, you know. Mm. They, the missionaries, they're still allowed to have their cell phones, but we ask them not to carry them with them all the time. So they're not, they're not, on, they're not on social media 24-7 anymore. Um, they're living a very simple life. Um, we ask them to, to wear long skirts and to wear big missionary crosses so they're easily <laughs> identifiable. Most people walking down the street would call them sister, seeing them dressed like that. Um, so allow them to just step back from their life and really give them more time to to listen to the Lord and to pray. And we have formation as part of that. Um, Samuel Group is a requirement for them. We'll get to Samuel Group. Um, uh, to continue to hear God speak and listen. And... Um, yeah, and just and just keep asking. This is uh, is is Lord calling me to this, and it's not n- only for people who are discerning, um, but thus far, well, I take that back. This this current group, we have one young woman who got in touch with us, who's the first one to just have Googled missionary programs and and come across our St. Michael missionary program. Up until then, it was all women who had been in touch with Sister Agnes about discerning with our community. For the, Many of them had come on come and see visits already. Um, uh, so they'd already seen um, the missionary program up and running, see what the missionaries do. And as they talk with Sister Agnes about the next good step for them in the discernment process. Maybe she would suggest or they would ask about doing the missionary program. So when we started this service program, I remember, yeah, talking to some other Catholic Catholic volunteer programs who were talking about the the problem that they're having recruiting people to come. And I'm like, we're not 
gonna recruit anybody. I mean, <laughs> I don't think we need to recruit. This yeah. is um, for women who are actively discerning. Uh, yeah, we had we had ten, eight women officially apply. Ten women who are seriously interested in being missionaries this year. So wow. Oh, and is there like an interview process yeah, and all? Yeah, to you have to fill out an application and then go that. through an interview process because we we know that living in community in Atlantic City and serving the poor with us is intense. So the, the person has to be ready for it. Right. And, and is that where the four came from then? And that's where that the four came through that process. Yeah, and we thought they that they were all ready for it. It was a good step for each of them personally. And, mm. and then also just looking at them as a group, dynamic-wise, um, it seemed like they'd be a good Oh, yes, because you got to fit group. well with each other. Yeah, you mean, with you're, each other, you're yeah. with each other, you know, living, serving, 24-7, um, pandemic or no pandemic, you're, right. <laughs> you're, you're together yeah. all the time. And now so. will they... Will they know each other before they first come this weekend or um, we'll be like two of them, I'm roommate. Two, yeah <laughs> two of them met on a on a come and see weekend okay. they happen to be there together at the same time and uh but no the other two and the as a as a force and they they haven't met each that'll other that'll be yet. fun to yeah to watch i'm sure you've had the past two years experience of watching yeah. them just gel and get to know each other yep. that exactly. it's in really a way such a motherly love that i'm sure you give them and oversee and just watching these young women come together and know each other and yeah and and, and grow them. it grows so much human formation comes through community life mm-hmm. um uh talking to each other talking through things um yeah, sharing, being vulnerable, being open. Awesome. It's, it's a great formation process, it, yeah. I've had the pleasure of meeting a number of the St. Michael's uh, missionaries over the last couple of years, and it is amazing to me. So the sisters, just by their character, I've had, I've had, I've had the blessing of, of chatting with them many times, and they're so upbeat and pleasant and spiritual and kind and joyful, and all these positive superlatives, right? So then you have the St. Michael's missionaries who come in. Now, I've never been there on day one, but I've been there at some point in there while they're discern- this discernment process. And I don't know how quickly it happens, but they all end up seeming to take on those same <laughs> characteristics. <all> like- <laughs> and I'm, I kind of, do they come in the door that way? Or is that something they pick up on? Because it, it blew, my, it literally blew my mind. It's I was the like, Lord, Mike. It's the Lord. I, Lord. Listen, I get that I, right. Yeah, and, and they, I mean, they too live with with our Lord. And that's, that's the, the greatest part of their formation, um, being in our Lord's presence, um, growing in their prayer life. Um, yeah, he's the source of our joy, for sure, without a doubt. That's it. Oh, hey, listen, you're not gonna, you don't have to convince me, Carrie. I, I'm on board. Like, There's a 6 reason. 6 a.m., we're going to meet in the Adoration Chapel. Nope. Spend our the Lord also appreciates together. my sleep habits and the fact that I stay up till 2 in the morning. The, um, no, but it's, you know, that it, it, there is a real joy to that. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that's always impressed me about this community in particular. And, and certainly, all, and we've said, it's talked about, this is actually part, this, I, we didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but this is part of what Carrie and I are hoping to do is a series of episodes uh, focusing each episode on one different community uh, that's in it's in our area. And we figured since we had a, a great relationship with the CFRs, we, we hit, hit them as first. Plus, Start off strong. Plus, we, they were showing up at your doorstep and we're like, well, there's episode one right yep. there. So, <laughs> yeah, um, we always tie it all together. But we got to talk about evangelization and Samuel Group. Well, I wanted to... Which, okay, well, which, which order do you want to do it? I, I, I feel like Samuel Group would be more appropriate now. Oh, now? You want to end okay. with Samuel Group? Okay, well, we're we'll go. With that. I am more than happy to talk with about either one of us. So evangelization. <laughs> so here's yes. the thing. The, the, the sisters do a number of... of it's so Evangelization is so innate to what the sisters do. It's hard to actually pick out one thing. But 
I, that photograph that I referenced earlier took part in uh, a special evening event they do, particularly in the summertime, that literally, like, I was dumbfounded when I left it. And I was dumbfounded because, and I'll, I'll let the sisters talk about it, but this is the reason why I was dumbfounded. I was dumbfounded because it's open to the laity. They can come and, and be of service. And, and they come and they pray. And then they do this thing called street evangelization. Now, this is pre-COVID times, so that hasn't happened recently. But I went to it as a jaded angry public relations person who had seen everything and looked at Catholics <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah, rolling up on Sunday, do their hour, and then they go back again, right? Uh, go back home again and watch football. These typical Catholics come to this event and end up with the sisters going out into the community and street evangelizing to anybody that will show up. Not only do they talk to these strangers, who most of them probably weren't Catholic, um, many of them were, were folks who were just in Atlantic City to enjoy all Atlantic City has to offer. Um, and then these typical lay people and the sisters turn around and encourage them to come back to church with them and say a prayer and light a candle. Which is like multiple blocks away from the Which, boardwalk. Yeah, exactly. It's no small like, walk. Can you walk over here? It's just yeah. a couple blocks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I put in a couple of miles that night just taking photographs. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it blew me away because I had never seen Catholics do yeah. that before. I knew that was something that other faiths did with some regularity, um, but I'd never seen Catholics do it. So, sisters, could you talk a little bit about what I just referenced? Yes. Um, like what you just referenced is called Light the Fire, <laughs> and it's a great, a great event of evangelization because we're simply bringing people to the feet of our Lord. Like we're bringing people to our Lord in a non-threatening way because everybody, everybody belongs there with Jesus at his feet. And so we do it in a non-threatening way. We go out in the street, like you said, street, you know, street evangelization, and um, we pair up with another person and we go out to the streets and invite people to come into the church and light a candle. And when they come into the church, wouldn't you know, there's adoration going on. <laughs> it just so happens to be live music playing. And it just so happens to be priests there to hear your confession. <laughs> it's like a perfect setup. Um, <laughs> bringing people in to, to, to know the living Lord, to know their Savior. And so... Um, we do that. We've been typically doing that here in Atlantic City every first Friday of the, of the months of June, July, no, July, August, and September. Um, and we begin, the, we begin the night with Mass pre-COVID times um, so that we're, we're filled with the Lord because we can only do this right if we're filled with Jesus so that we can invite people to also encounter Him as well. And then um, some people choose to go out and with candles and invite people in. Other people will um, prefer to stay in the church and pray and intercede before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament for the spiritual success of, of the night. And it's beautiful. Um, there's music playing it. And people who have come in have had so many, in fact, so many conversions. Last, this past one in August, we, so post-COVID times, we're not going out, as you said, on the streets to invite people in, but we are um, planting a sister right in front of the church <laughs> so that people who are passing by um, he can hear the music. We've put like a little speaker outside mm. the church so that um, they can hear the music and um, the sister in front there of the church will invite them in. And this is past 
time a woman and her two small children, her her daughters, she came in and she um, heard the music and she was going in and and praying before our Lord and I I don't I wasn't there I was in the choir left but I I heard that she had a beautiful encounter with the Lord and was invited to go to confession and she came back to confession after what ten, ten years ten years oh wow. wow and she was just crying and had a beautiful after confession she had a beautiful encounter with her daughters and her daughter started crying and you can see like the wow. the, the tenderness between the mo- the mother and the daughter and so you just know that God's at work when we simply make small efforts as we're doing in that event to to invite people to encounter Jesus. Um, so that's a wow, little bit about saving our event. the souls through confession in that way. How beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. And, and, and I think, I don't know who said it, if it was one of the sisters or somebody that I, I was at the Light the Fire event. I've been to several of them in past years. And they said, there's power in the habit. And it's really true <laughs> because I remember being up on the boardwalk and trying to talk to people and, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, they were very kind for the most part. And then the sisters have people swarming around them talking. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't I do this? <laughs> well, I don't have the habit on. There's power in the there's habit. The in so the it's habit. wise to put one of you out there mm-hmm. and the, the, the music piped out there. That was very, very wise to do it that way. Yeah. Good. The, and I'm curious, now that's certainly, in my mind, your most impressive mm-hmm. event, mostly because it's so, you know, once again, another thing that just doesn't make sense to my Catholic mind, mm-hmm. um, but that I love so much. Are there other ways that you evangelize as well? Yeah, I think a, a big, our biggest one is probably our first Saturday devotion. So um, we very much want people to grow in devotion to our Blessed Mother. And as she asked at Fatima in a special way for the first Saturday of the month to be kept in her honor, um, she specifically asked for five consecutive first Saturdays. Um, so every first Saturday, of course, should be should be kept in her honor in a special way. But we, we do that by February through June, um, gathering on the first Saturday of the month to have like a little mini retreat day um, those have been really well attended uh, of course pre pre pandemic and then we had the grace and and the good friend to help us transition to live streaming the last the last three of those um, so I think that that really was drawing people from around the diocese um, I think the live streaming helped to 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 get out to people who hadn't been able to actually come and be with us um, but yeah, a great way to to grow in in our in our relationship with Our Lady first and foremost, but with our Eucharistic Lord too, because those days would end with a very powerful what we would call a Eucharistic healing procession, where the priest would bring Our Lord in the monstrance to each person in in particular, in individually. And I know those were very powerful moments for people. And and the, the first time that many people got to experience um, something like that, a, a Eucharistic encounter with our Lord like that in the monstrance coming to them and giving them an individual blessing. So um, powerful days. So a great Amazing. joy to be part of those. Yeah. And those those ran through June. So yeah, we'll see what happens next February. Yeah, we, we have them on, on the calendar for, for again, February through June, at. first Saturday of the month. Um, and if people want to come to Light the Fire, then is that open that, for that September? Is, yeah. So September 4th um, at St. Michael's Church, 7 to 9 p.m. We do have to, you know, keep social distancing and keep the, the safety protocols. Um, last month, we were hitting the max capacity. So if, if that happens again, please, God, it does. We might... Uh, people might not be able to stay the whole night, mm-hmm. so we'll, we hope to get everybody in and have it every, that everybody has a time of prayer. Everybody's able to light a candle before our Lord. I can't promise that everybody will be able to stay um, the whole two hours, but we hope 
just like last month to have three priests there hearing confessions. They were busy the whole night last last month. So amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. And then the other uh, thing that we promised to talk about is Samuel, Samuel group. group. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great to just have this opportunity um, to invite young adults to consider being part of this great formation program. This is now um, the fourth year in the diocese, the third year that we'll be heading it up. Um, a formation program for young adults originally started in Milan in the 1980s, brought to the U.S. by a religious community out in the Midwest who really started um, this as a college-based program, but our community, Mother Claire in particular up in New York, um, helped form it as a, as a diocesan young adult outreach. So young adults gather um, We'll be doing them the first Sunday of the month, September through uh, September through May, um, for an afternoon of formation. And, and really, the idea is um, to be able to grow in one's prayer life, one's relationship with the Lord, um, and to learn how God speaks and to hear God speak, um, both in, in little decisions of the day, um, to be aware of His presence, to hear Him speak, um, but then also in the bigger decisions of, of discernment and vocation. So not just for people definitely not just for people discerning religious life. Um, this is this has helped to form all young adults to make an, um, to discern their vocation, to discern their place in the church and in the world. So we really encourage uh, young adults to consider um, joining us and um, we'll be starting this um, soon, um, Sunday, September 6th. We meet in, in Hamilton um, at Marymount Carmel Parish, but the St. Anthony's Church in Hamilton, yeah. And so we we had introduced Kate at the yeah, beginning. This is a great time for her to she, step up she to the She has mic. been part of it. So yeah, Kate, we would love just to hear a little bit about your experiences from the Samuel Group and how it's helped you grow in your young adult years and those decision making processes and just hearing God's voice in in your life. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel Group um, for me was was such a gift and yeah, really helped me to yeah to hear to hear the Lord's voice because today our world is just so, so noisy and so hard, um, so hard to really hear, to hear his voice. And um, yeah, so Samuel Group was a, a chance to really, um, for me to learn, um, yeah, really learn and develop, like to listen with the, with the ear of my heart um, because it really gave me the tools and the steps of, of how, how to do that. Um, and I had started Samuel Group when I when I was really starting to to discern um, seriously a call um, to religious life. So yeah, for me personally, in that way, um, it was really helpful. But like Sister said, yeah, not only the big the big things in our lives that we need to hear the Lord's voice in, but yeah, in those in those small small daily tasks um, as well. Yeah, and it just yeah grew. Um, grew in, in love in love for the Lord and one of the one of my favorite things um, about Samuel group was that um, we we had a holy hour um, during during Samuel group and it was just it just felt like a retreat like a day a day of retreat um, yeah and in this in our busy world too it was nice to have to have the opportunity to kind of pull back from the world and yeah to be able to to spend the day um, with our Lord and and with the community, there you really get to to bond with the um, the other participants of Samuel Group. Um, yeah, and it really becomes really becomes like a little, little Samuel Group family mm. um, in a way. Yeah, so beautiful. And 
yeah, to be with young adults who are on the same, yeah, that same track, who who are desiring to to grow in holiness and who are desiring heaven and um, yeah, just desiring to listen to the Lord um, speak to them as well. So that I found that to be to be really helpful, um, yeah, in my journey. You know, I think that's a theme that we've found all the way through this conversation is the, is the power of community. We, we haven't really pulled it out, but in every single conversation we've had, every single topic we've discussed, it's been that sense of community that that really a lot of power comes from, in addition to, you know, the connection to the Lord and, and, and all the other elements of our faith. But um, I think that can't be overlooked. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we live, we live in a world that's very isolating mm-hmm. nowadays. Sure. And, you know, I, I oftentimes will sit here when we're talking to the sisters and go, you know, ha- have some bit of envy in that and that, and that they do have that community. But there are ways for us to emulate that in our lives. So those of us who might not have a calling, you know, maybe we listen to, to people who are living in community and try and figure out ways mm-hmm. to, to embrace that in our own lives as well. Yeah, agreed. And, I, you know, you can't, we can't put any more emphasis on the the prayer life together. I think prayer is that bonding factor between the community and then we see the joy come from that and, and just the growth from them being together. And I, I see that even within my own family, the more we pray together, the closer we feel, the more joy we feel. And I'm sure that is where, where all of your joy comes from. Mm-hmm. So it was great. That's this awesome. is awesome. Is there anything we didn't get a chance to well, talk about? Well, I just want to um, make sure people know that to for, for Samuel Group, the, the best way to find out more and to register is on the Camden Diocese website. There's a Google form. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to check that out and simply it's filling out the Google form and, and then um, having a phone conversation with Sister Agnes. So really encouraging young adults to to, to look into that now and the, the dates and the times are there. Again, it starts um, Sunday, September 6th. But then also for our upcoming events, um, our... Our community website is a great resource, so the Franciscan Sisters CFR.com um, website, which actually one of uh, it was a side project of one of our St. Michael missionaries two years ago to, to update it. She did a great job, um, and our upcoming events are there too. So you know, right now we have light the fire coming up, but God willing, we'll do an Advent reflection day, and and then. As, as things develop with maybe the first Saturdays too. Um, there, so there's upcoming events and then you have to click on like the St. Michael's page to see what we're doing in, in here in Atlantic City, but then you could also um, see what the sisters are doing elsewhere. And um, Mother Claire has been very prolific writing during this time of pandemic. So there's usually an, um, a daily, a new daily blog up um, almost every day. Um, Friday she has book reviews. It's great, It's there. she's an incredible writer. She has a lot, uh, a lot of wisdom and so encouraging people to check that out too. Great. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Sister Ann Cattery and Sister Kiara and Kate, thank you very much for joining us today. <laughs> and, and Carrie, as always, thank you for setting yeah, this good, up. Good to be with you, Mike. Yeah, and, thank you. And no sure thing. And to our listeners, thanks for checking us in, and we'll uh, chat with you again next week. God bless.